Hello, I'm India, and welcome to Start a Ripple, the podcast that celebrates moving in nature. You see, I believe ripples are made when we connect movement with nature, not only for our mind and body, but also the environment too. And on this series, I'm speaking to some amazing guests that share that passion and have their own story to tell. All right, time to introduce this week's guest. Charlotte Ditchburn is an expert in the field of rights of way and an advocate for access so that we can all enjoy the beautiful British countryside more. Living in the Northern Lake District, Charlotte is an ambassador for Audience Survey, British Canoeing and the National Outdoor Expo and does incredible work bridging the gap in conversation about how important access is to our adventures both on land and water. You'll learn so much from this episode as this is something not spoken about enough and I'm so excited to share it with you. Okay, hi Charlotte, welcome to Start a Ripple. Thank you very much for having me, it'd be lovely to speak to you. I'm really excited to chat to you because yeah, I think this episode is going to be a little bit different to to the theme, I guess, of of my other episodes. I've not spoken to somebody um, with your expertise, and so yeah, I'm really fascinated to, to chat to you actually. And um, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself if that's okay, um, yeah. and tell listeners who you are and where your ripple started. So I'm Charlotte. I'm also known as Public Rights of Way Explorer Online. So my background is in the access sector. So I work full time in rights of way. And that means looking after the footpaths, bridleways, byways that are out in the countryside. And I currently work for an equestrian charity. So I focus mainly on the bridleways and byways and the outdoors. But that kick started from university and then an interest in the outdoors. And now outside of work, I advocate access on the rivers, on the land, and I'm really interested to tell other people about it and hopefully inspire other people to get involved in the access and do a little bit for your dog walk or your local paddle and see if you can improve it for yourself. Yeah, see, I think what you're doing is incredible because I think we, in the UK, we take for granted the access that we can get and that we have and we don't realize that having public footpaths is an absolute privilege the fact that they're protected and most of the part they're looked after and there's people yeah. like you doing doing their job and we can you know walk our way all the way across the country essentially <laughs> with these guided footpaths i mean that's amazing it's it's a, it's, it's a free way to enjoy the beautiful the outdoors beautiful countryside and like you say people like myself who have a dog who enjoy paddleboarding you're making that happen um but I know that it's not it's not the easiest ride in there and we do need people like you advocating for it because otherwise it can get lost um but just out of curiosity how I don't know if you'll be able to answer this question because I have I know I didn't prep it but I just thought of it in my head <laughs> go for it how long have we had these like public right of way in the UK for? So in the UK it came in 1949 with the National Parks and Access to the Countryside Act. So that is when the government decided look, we need to get all these routes down on paper and we need to know where they all go and they sent people like parish councils, scout groups, just local volunteers out and they took their felt tip pens with a little base map and just drew where they thought all these rights of way go. And in some cases, they did a really good job. And some parishes have a really well-connected 
obvious footpath to footpath, bridleway, bridleway, good network. In other cases, they sat down in the pub. They said, where do you think this song goes? They went, oh, from my farm here to that church there. And they literally drew a straight line from A to B, even though there might have been a river or a barn in the way. And we're now stuck with that line that they drew in the pub. So there are some issues with how it was done. Okay. And then in 2000, we decided that we needed a bit more access and a bit more guidance around the open access. So the Countryside and Rights of Way Act in that year brought about the open access land where we have the right to roam. So that's lots of hills, moorlands, down, heathland sort of areas. And you can just roam freely wherever you like. But sadly, they didn't include rivers in that. So we're still restricted with the river access that we have and some of the coastal access because they haven't really brought that up to speed like they have with the footpaths. Right. So is this why you're you do you're an ambassador for British canoeing? And it's that and obviously also the Ordnance Survey and the National Outdoor Expo. Um, but I'm guessing your your work that you do with British canoeing is to kind of bring that to light a little bit more. Yeah, so the work I do with them is to try and highlight the fact that we have access free access uh, to less than four percent of our rivers across the uk so in scotland we have a great right to navigate any of the rivers we like the same as you can roam over the land wherever you like responsibly doing that not taking it for granted but in england and wales we have less than four percent of those rivers to access in the same way so working with them to highlight that with the general public to try and get people involved and lobbying to improve that access and for people to just understand where you can and can't go where you might need a license to do it and then paying that license fee actually means that they can help stop invasive species spreading improve access points where you might want a little launch point or something like that so there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and british canoeing are doing a lot of work to try and improve that access for everyone and they do a lot of paddle cleanups as well to try and remove the litter because 80 percent of our marine rubbish actually comes from our inland waters so working together with paddle groups and individuals to reduce that. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you know, I've having sort of done bits and pieces of British canoeing and being part of the Sheep Paddles ambassador thing, I quite often get people asking me, what's the point of having a British canoeing membership? Why do I've got to pay whatever it is, £45 a year? <laughs> yeah. And, that, and it's so important. Not, not only does it give you insurance, which is really great, it mm -hmm. means that you can go and paddle on in these beautiful places and they're kept yeah. beautiful and you're paddling you know all above board and and mm -hmm. i don't think people realize when they buy a kayak or buy a paddleboard that that actually is you can't just hop on the water and expect yeah. free access everywhere yeah yeah and even for those places that you are getting access to you know they they don't just look after themselves someone's got to do it as well so, exactly um no i think it's brilliant it's brilliant that you're shouting about it um and i know that when we started speaking you were saying that there's a gap in the conversation where we don't know about how important access is to adventures um and uh, you know how how are you then getting this conversation alive again right. and, and what what are you doing to make people realize this so on the water, I'm just trying to raise the awareness that we don't have the access on the land. Um, it's a little bit different with our rights of way. There are some that aren't on that legal map that they drew up back in the 1940s. So we have the current legal map today. And if they're not on that map, they could actually be lost forever. Landowners could put a gate up. They could stack a load of bales. They could obstruct them. So if we don't save them and protect them on this definitive map, 
they could be lost forever. And although there was a, a deadline at one point of 2026, that's now been repealed. So it's taken a little bit of pressure off, but I think people still need to be involved. There's still a lot of work to be done. So the Ramblers have identified four, 49,000 miles of footpaths that aren't currently on the legal map. And they think there are even more. And that's just footpaths. If you think about the number of bridleways and byways on top of that, there's thousands of miles of paths that are at risk. And they have to go through a legal process to be put onto the definitive map. So that's where people need to get involved. Even if you're not doing that legal application yourself, it's raising it with someone like the Ramblers or the British Horse Society or British Canoeing and saying, look, I think my route is at risk or I'm not sure if my route is on the definitive map and just reaching out and checking for your local area. And that's where I think people need to get involved on the ground. And these big organizations, they're doing great work, but they can't cover everywhere. There's just such a vast amount of space and paths to check that people need to get involved and check their own. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if I was to be walking my dog and I find that I've come across a path that seems maybe overgrown or it feels like it suddenly stops in the middle of nowhere, is that when I would contact someone like yourself, the Ramblers to? Yeah, to so you need it? to have, the first thing I'd do is have a look on an ordnance survey map. So you can pay for a subscription with ordnance survey or you can even have a check on Bing for free and then see if that route is what you expect it to be if you're walking it with your dog, if it's a footpath, if you're giving it to go on your bike, if it's a bridleway. And if it is, then great. If you're a little bit concerned that maybe you're walking it, it's not on the definitive map as you'd expect it as a footpath or it's not the right status, that's when you can get in touch with the British Horse Society or Ramblers or whoever is relevant for that. And they'll be able to help you check it. And if it's not on the map, they'll be able to progress an application for it to be put on the map correctly. Mm. And I, I, do, I have found sometimes people try and hide the footpaths if they go through their land you know farmers or even just residential land it can sometimes people tend to they, they don't some people don't like it and they try to hide it so what do you do in that situation do, would you approach the person themselves or would you suggest to go through official means go through an official means okay. so you report it to your local council so whether that's your county council or a unitary authority depends how it works in your area but it's generally a county council and they have the powers to go and speak to the landowners and make them remove whatever's there if it's a overgrowth or obstruction like that the council will cut it back but if it's a, a dumped old car or something like that the council will be able to get that removed for you so you don't have to get involved in the tedious conversations with landowners and maybe a bit of confrontation that you don't want to have <laughs> Yes. Yeah. 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 I've definitely experienced that <laughs> walking, <laughs> walking through the countryside and saying, you know, farmers saying, "Get off my land," and we're going, "No, actually, I'm allowed to be." Actually, thank you very much. <laughs> um, now, obviously, you know, having access to the outdoors is so important to so many people without them even realizing, and um, you know, if we lose it, we 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 could lose a lot of I guess, access to things that bring us physical and mental well-being. Um, but I'm curious to know from your perspective on a personal level, how important is it to having, having access to the outdoors to you and how has it affected your personal life? So I was really lucky to grow up in the Lake District myself. So I had it on the doorstep. I don't think I uh, realised the value of it at that point. I was being dragged up fells with family and I was doing it kicking and screaming and didn't enjoy it quite as much as I probably should have. But then I went off to university and kind of started appreciating that outdoor space a little bit more. 
I was actually diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety and depression at university. And then at that point, I really did start to value the outdoors more. When I moved back to the lakes after uni and I was dealing with that and processing it, the outdoors really helped me to do that. I found that I didn't really want to be around people. I didn't want to be in big crowds. I could just be outdoors in nature and feel a bit more at peace and help me find somewhere that was quiet to immerse myself in nature and process what was going on. And then from there, I started to discover the joys of actually heading outdoors with other people, finding groups, going out paddleboarding with groups of people and the blue spaces kind of opened up to me. I'd been out canoeing as a kid once or twice, but never really got into the sailing and on the water stuff. But as I've now come after university, I've discovered paddleboarding and I think it's amazing. The things I've seen in nature, I've seen otters up in Scotland, I've spotted kingfishers on the Norfolk Broads and it's just such a special moment to sit there on your board, totally on your own in silence and witness these amazing wildlife things. So I've really found benefit for both mental and physical well-being. And I really think that I work quite a sedentary job. I'm sat at my laptop all day, every day, finding that time outside and actually benefiting physically from it as well is such a big part of my life now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've kind of brought it through to your work life as well as your personal life. And was, was that something that you wanted to do after university or had it just evolved that way? You know, from finding that it was giving you so much sort of joy and comfort and mindfulness, did you then go, well, I want a career in this? Or did it just sort of develop without you realising? It kind of just evolved itself. When I left university, I went and I was a chainsaw operator for the RSPB for six months or so. And I kind of didn't enjoy that. It was too much hard work and it put me off being in the outdoors. But then I sat down and I reevaluated where I wanted to go. And I thought, no, I really do want to work in the outdoors. Whether it's a ranger job or something with volunteers, I'd like to be in the outdoors. So I just started applying for any job that I could get. And I got offered a rights of way offer job in Suffolk. And that's kind of where my knowledge of access has grown from there. And then I've developed a on the side public rights of way explorer and my actual career in it. So it's kind of all just fallen into place without me necessarily planning it and knowing that's what I wanted, but it's all worked out in the end. And being back in the Lake District, I moved back last August time. It's really felt like I've come home and I've settled in the outdoors and it's all just worked out like a jigsaw. Yeah, well, it's funny, isn't it, how life does that. And and I guess you, you know, realising how important being out in nature is to you having you know, found yourself in a place where you really needed it. It's probably made you mm -hmm. realise we need it. Everybody needs it. You know, you it. Yeah. And, and the pandemic has really hit home how much we need the outdoors. I was living in Suffolk. I was living in a tiny one bed cottage. So I was really lucky to have that outdoor space. I had a tiny garden and I could walk out on the footpaths, but it kind of really hit home the lack of access we kind of have. So you can't just roam anywhere. And where we were living in a village, you were really densely populated. You were meeting everyone out on your dog walks. Whereas you come up here to the lakes and we live just on the outskirts, not in one of the honeypots. And you can walk here in the evenings and not meet a soul. So it's just really therapeutic. And I think everyone should have that chance to access nature and to not always be alone, but have that chance to suppress all the work mm. feelings and all the stress feelings and enjoy that time in nature on your own. Mm. Well, it's, it's, it's not... I think I think I heard this on another podcast I was listening to we sort of often we use the word alone and think of it as being quite a negative thing but actually it's just solitude isn't it 
and it's yeah. about being just there with no, no, no other distractions and it it's a really important thing I think we probably just don't do enough of because enough of. we're in this whole social thing where it's social media meet friends and mm-hmm. yeah and and having that space is is yeah is so important. yeah and finding that therapy finding that balance because you can you can have therapy from both being in groups and having that social interaction and having that solitude and you're not isolating yourself you don't have to be on your own all the time but finding 10-15 minutes to be on your own and listen to the birds or just listen to the water in the river it's really amazing what it can do for your mental health just 15-20 minutes a day oh absolutely I definitely definitely agree with that um so obviously you must sort of even though you're based in the Lake District, I imagine that you've got quite a good idea of the UK, having yeah. you know, constantly looking at maps. And I'm sure you've explored many parts of the UK. So what I'd love to know is if you could choose one place in the country to explore, you, you know, that's it. You've only got one place. That's your, your seal lot. Where would it be? It was really hard to decide. Having lived down south, having lived in the lakes, having explored Scotland, there are so many places I'd like to explore more or explore full stop that I've never been to. But the west coast of Scotland really has a special place in my heart. And I know that's not really in one specific place, but that whole section of Scotland, the rugged coastline, the sea, the white beaches, that is where I'd like to find some more time to explore, to see the wildlife, to see the scenery and just find a bit of peaceful time because I find when I do go on holiday up there everything else just melts away you're just there to immerse yourself in it and enjoy a week or a weekend just on a beach somewhere and it feels like you're in the Bahamas minus the temperature <laughs> with those no, white sand yeah. beaches <laughs> I agree we I was there last summer we did the NC 500 in our camper van ah. and um some of those beaches are phenomenal yeah you know it's obviously you're in a still in like a six mil wetsuit when you're in the sea but that <laughs> thing is crystal clear <laughs> yeah and, um it feels like you've gone a lot further than sure. you know just the top of the uk that's for okay. sure and, and i think that what is amazing is that it feels like there's endless exploration there it's so vast and it's so wild and that's what is yeah. so intriguing about it the place i would most like to go and visit on the west coast of scotland is noidart to go and have a paddle expedition up there so you can get from the mountain tops down to the sea level so you can head out for a couple of days take your tent everything you need on your board and just explore i'd absolutely love to do that oh wow that sounds amazing oh, and i think that's <laughs> what's great is what i've realized since the pandemic is don't need to go abroad to get all these incredible experiences it, it's it is all in the uk and and we're so lucky to have access to all these incredible places that you know we can we didn't even realize planet by not booking a flight actually a lot of the yeah. time um <laughs> so speaking actually of the environment what like what what do you do then within your work to protect the environment because one of my biggest reasons for starting this podcast was realizing that the more time I was spending in nature the more time I wanted to look after the environment that I was immersing myself in because it was Mm -hmm. giving me so much and I knew that if it wasn't looked after 
I would be enjoying it as much. It's sort of it's this ripple effect essentially. <laughs> and um and yeah, so I'm curious to know kind of what you do in your work to protect the environment that a lot of us Joe blogs when we go out on our walk or our paddleboard take for granted. So when I'm advocating access through work or through public rights of work explorer, I'm always pushing for the countryside code and the leave no trace mantra. So we're even developing the leave no trace now to leave it better than you found it. And I think that's really important. So whether I'm representing audience survey or British canoeing, whoever it might be, I'm always pushing to educate and inspire people to do what they can for the environment. So the countryside code lays out some really basic ground rules about how you can responsibly access the outdoors. And people like British Canoeing are developing a paddling code as well. So you can follow that on the water. And it would be great if everyone could leave gates as you find them, park responsibly. When you're setting up for paddling, don't park your car so no one else can get in. I know you want to blow your board up, but just being responsible and a bit thoughtful about people, not only people that are visiting, but the landowners that are there, they might need to access somewhere to feed their sheep. And you parking that two foot over the gateway means that they can't do that. So just taking a little bit of common sense and learning a little bit if you've never been to the outdoors some people have never experienced these places so how are they meant to know how you're meant to treat these places so having a little look into the countryside code and what you can do to do things responsibly and then thinking about the leave no trace so whatever you do if you're carrying a picnic into the countryside always make sure you take everything home even your fruit and your banana skins or your apple cores, they take a long time to degrade, even though you think they might be compostable. To compost something, you've got to have a really specific environment. It doesn't just happen on the grasp on the verge. So taking everything home with you is really important. And then, especially at the moment, we're having a bit of a heat wave in the UK, thinking about your barbecues and your little um, fires that you want to have. Make sure they're raised up off the ground. Make sure you're not doing it somewhere where it's tinder dry and a little spark could set off the whole of the moorland next to you. And it doesn't take a lot. You don't need to be doing depths and depths of research about it, but just look at those basic key foundations that'll help you enjoy the outdoors and keep it safe and pristine for everyone else yeah absolutely because you know once it's gone it's gone and and that's what's really sad and you know hopefully maybe in 10 years time you'll be out of a job because all of us would have listened to you we'll be doing and, it well. <laughs> and it'll be wonderful <laughs> then i'll start leading you i'll guide you all around the countryside <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah i think it's really important and you know i think that's a really good kind of i guess uh, variation on that leave no trace is to leave it better than you found it because we've got a bit of catching up to do I think with a lot in a lot of places um, and so if you can just spend a little extra time in making it in picking up that little bit of extra rather than just thinking about your litter somebody else's litter exactly. there as well yeah and it doesn't take much you picking up that one crisp packet or one bottle is going to make a huge difference if everyone does that that's going to be hundreds of thousands of bottles and crisp packets taken out of the countryside so yeah. if everyone does their one little bit it makes a huge huge difference yeah absolutely so so obviously coming back to your personal kind of adventures now what how do you kind of on a day-to-day -day basis find mindfulness in nature how do you use the access that we have in the uk to benefit your own mental health every day so i'm definitely one for micro adventures or the adventures between five and nine so outside of work and i think 
just local things can be as exciting as packing up your bags and going to Scotland or abroad or wherever you want to go and discovering those local gems that you might not know are there. So what I really enjoyed during lockdown was getting a map out, checking within a three kilometre or five kilometre radius of your house and just go home walking every single one of the paths that are there. Yes, some of them are a bit obstructed and a bit overgrown, but there are actually some really beautiful treed avenues and bluebell woods and all sorts that I discovered that I didn't even know existed within an hour's walk of my house and that's the sort of thing I'm now starting to really enjoy is just exploring my home stomping ground and finding these new places I've lived in the Lake Districts for 20 odd years and there are places here that I still haven't been to and I haven't seen and I haven't explored so I'm really enjoying that side of things at the moment and I find I often can get too busy. I can say, oh, no, I'll, I'll just work the extra half hour. But actually setting boundaries and saying, no, I'm going to go for a walk this evening or I'm going to go for a paddle before work in the morning. It makes a huge difference to how I feel during the day or how I feel that evening. It clears your head, sets you up for the day. If you go for a paddle in the morning, there's no one else there. You can enjoy a sunrise. You can enjoy just a bit of peace and quiet. And then when you come back and you're trying to start off your day, whether it's going to work or being a mum or whatever you can just de-stress and reset at the start of the day and at the end of the day if you've had an awful day I like to just put it all down walk outside and just let nature take that all away from me and then by the time I come home whatever was bugging me and I left is totally gone mm, yeah oh totally I think boundaries are so important aren't they because if you don't set them then it's just life run away with us without even realizing them when we don't exactly get to enjoy this beautiful beautiful country that we live in actually um mm -hmm. okay so final question for you looking back at the ripples you've made in your life what are your biggest lessons that you've learned for keeping your mind and body healthy so the boundaries one is a big thing that i've learned over the years um through university through work i've done lots of volunteering and I found myself kind of running away with what's next, what have I got to do and trying to keep up with the Instagram idea of being productive all the time. And setting those boundaries has been a huge life lesson. And although I feel like people see the best side of everything, and I do feel like I've achieved a lot with advocating access, and I hope that I've changed a lot in the world for increasing access, I still think I need to put time into me and finding boundaries from setting that aside and enjoying the outdoors rather than me going out and going for a paddleboard and going oh I could I could talk about this in the next blog or I could talk about this to the next article it's about actually just taking that minute to enjoy it for what it is and enjoying the moment and keeping my body healthy has been a challenge for me um, at university when I was going through my mental health issues I really became a couch potato and I can really fluctuate if I get stressed I end up not moving and not doing a lot which then ends up in the vicious cycle you don't want to do anything and you go round and round so finding time in the outdoors has really helped with the physical motivation to keep healthy and keep fit and being in blue and green spaces has really helped me to develop that and make it a part of my weekly routine and keep on top of it yeah no that's yeah that's so 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 true and I just want to say thank you for being the advocate that you are um, because you're doing it for, you know, all of us. And so, and I'm, I'm really appreciative of it. I really am. And um, so thank you so much. Um, well, thank you. Okay, so anybody wanted to follow your journey and sort of find out what you do, read some of the articles, 
how can they? Mm-hmm. So they can find me on Instagram at Public Rights of Way Explorer. And you can also find my blog and articles on my website, which is prowexplorer.com. And if anyone wants to ask any questions about access, find out a little bit more, feel free to get in touch with me on the website or on Instagram. And I'm more than happy to help you out with any access issues you've got. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I think that's so great because I think we, we don't know enough. And it might be even someone says, I think I've got a public footpath going through my garden. What do I do? Or, you know, I, exactly. I, I, and I wouldn't know where to start when I before I became rights of way in the knowledge of it, I had no idea where to report things to or where to find out where this definitive map was or anything like that. So yeah, I'm here to point people in the right direction and give you a little bit of a voice if you need it to pass you on to the right people. Yeah, amazing. Oh, well, you're absolutely star and you're doing so much for the environment. So thank you. And um, yeah, I'll pop all your links and stuff onto um, the blurb that comes with the podcast so that anyone listening right now can can take a look and and get in contact with you well thanks so much charlotte it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today thanks so much for having me on it's been lovely to speak to you india thank you so much for listening to this episode the start a ripple podcast if you like what you heard then please do write a review it helps other like-minded souls find this podcast too if you want to get in touch the best way to speak to me is probably via instagram and my handle is at with underscore India. All right, take care and speak to you soon.